What's up, Oasis family? Welcome to Church Online, Oasis at Home. Thank you so much, Pastor Kenneth, for that awesome intro. Hey, I'm telling you right now, there is momentum in our church. If you're watching online, just put in the chat, I can feel it. I mean, the mo momentum. I can feel the momentum. God is moving uh, in, in plenty of ways on our in-person campus. We had a powerful uh, first Sunday back last weekend. But online, I'm telling you right now, I don't know what it is, but online is going to be just as powerful right there in your home. And so, um, you don't, if you're watching from somewhere outside of L.A., uh, this is your church. This is your home. Just because we're gathering in person, nothing has changed about online. Nothing has changed uh, about Oasis at home. We still believe that this is a way that God wants to move in this season. So I want to encourage you and both challenge you. Um, if you've missed, uh, you know, sermons from last week because you got Father's Day brunch, I want to challenge you. You miss something that is going to activate something inside of you for what God has for you in this next season. If you have to take a day, if you have to take a couple of hours, whatever it takes, I want to put this challenge to you right now. I want you to catch up. Look on our YouTube, Look, Go wherever you find it. And I want you to, the last three messages you missed, I want you to make a commitment that you're going to watch them. Here's why. I really believe God is cultivating inside of me and through me uh, some words that are preparing you for what God has for you. And if you miss this one piece of the puzzle, it's kind of like you ever put together a jigsaw puzzle and it's, you get all this work done and then find out you're missing a piece. It is so frustrating. I don't want you to put in all of this work in this next 18 months of your life and discover that you were missing a piece that I preached somewhere back in March and you missed it. So I want to challenge you to find at least, now if you're behind on 15 messages, hey, <laughs> do what you can. But if you're behind three messages or more, I want you to be diligent and look back and look at those three messages because I believe that God in this season is putting together a puzzle piece for us to achieve our purpose. And so today is going to be no different. Shout out to Jamaica last week for preaching a fire message on worship. It is a huge foundation in our life. Today I'm going to switch gears a little bit and I want to speak to you something that God has spoken to me. Uh, I want to preach a message simply called the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor. I got this message because every time I'm hanging out with someone and something good happens, I shouldn't say every time, but a lot of times I'm hanging out with something and something good happens. Some of y'all in here know that somebody will go, favor. It's, I don't know why it always has to have that inflection on the end of it. I'm going to change that because I don't, like, I don't, I'm from San Bernardino. We don't have voice inflections. Um, this time something good happened to me, I'm going to go, I can't even do it. Like, no wonder they say it. It just sounds, I'm going to go, favor. Nah, I like the old way. Favor. They put that inflection on the end. But it's always when they, like, find a parking space or get an unexpected check in the mail. And Jesus showed up in the Bible and didn't just put favor on a moment. He put favor on a year. And that meant whatever you did in that year had favor on it. Come on, am I talking to somebody right now who is only encouraged when God gives them favor in a moment, 
But when Jesus showed up, he put favor on a whole year. That means that what you do in June, July, August, September, January through December has the potential to have favor on it when God declares, I'm putting favor on a year. And I felt the Lord say, I'm putting favor on 2021. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's the pastor's job to encourage you. It's the pastor's job to make you think that this year is going to be your year. How many years we've said that God's going to bless you? No, no, no. He's putting favor on a time period that if you operate with obedience within that time period, things will happen within that time period that couldn't happen if you put the same work in in another time period. Oh, I feel like flowing with this right now. What I'm saying is some of you put the work in in a year where God was saying that wasn't the year that I wanted you to do that. So you put all this work in, 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 in 2018, but God hadn't put a proclamation on 2018 yet. And so you put the work in and you thought that wasn't what God wanted you to do, but God wanted you to wait for the year that he had proclaimed favor on the year. And you thought you weren't good enough for what you did and the answer was right. You weren't good enough. You needed to wait until God had proclaimed favor on the year that you put in the work. I am preaching right now. We online, but somebody's getting delivered right now. I feel like God's telling me to tell somebody, do it again. Don't give up. This is the year I wanted you to do that. You, you jumped the gun. You went too early. I wanted you to do that right now. I was cultivating some things on the inside of you. I was healing some things on the inside of you. And you got anxious. You thought I wasn't going to do it. So you jumped the gun and you moved forward too quickly. And I'm declaring favor on this year, so what you did in, in three years ago that was failure, you'll do it with favor this year. Isaiah 61 verses one through seven says that Jesus showed up. This is his very first sermon. I wish I would have preached this last week. It was our first Sunday back. It's his very first sermon. And he doesn't show up talking obedience. And obedience is so important. He doesn't show up talking truth. And truth is so important. He doesn't show up talking grace. And grace is so important. He doesn't show up talking faith. And we need faith to even have a relationship with God. The Bible says that Jesus was born. We all know that. At 12, they find him in the temple and he's hanging out with um, uh, the, the temple uh, leaders and priests learning about God. And then we really don't hear anything about Jesus' life from 12 to 30. Then he shows up at 30 years old. John the Baptist is baptizing people. John the Baptist says, behold, the Messiah. And then Jesus asks John the Baptist to baptize him. John the Baptist first resists and says, you're the one who should be baptizing me. But no, Jesus convinces John the Baptist to baptize Jesus. And then the Bible says the heavens open and God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then the spirit of the Lord in Luke chapter three takes Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He is fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He resists the temptation from the devil. And the Bible says he leaves the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to catch this right now. 
Jesus has never up to this point on record experienced any real hardship at all. And then he has 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness starving. The Bible says, read it for yourself in Luke chapter three, that after whatever happened in the wilderness, that Jesus was so overwhelmed that angels attended to him. Can you imagine coming out of a season that is so difficult that angels have to help you? Humans can't even do anything about what you've been through. The Bible says angels attended to him. And after 40 days of that, we pick up in, in, in Luke chapter 4. Now, I put it out of order with the team, but I want to read it in Luke chapter 4 first. It's verses 16, 21. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. He went back home. And on the Sabbath day, this is right after he was tempted, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. He went to the church, the temple, to proclaim this. He could have proclaimed it in the streets. I want you to catch this. I want you to catch not just what he said, but where he said it. I know the last 15 months has been crazy, and we've had to do church at home, but if you're not careful then we cheapen the value of watching online. We'll catch it next week, no big deal. We cheapen the value of coming to church. I want you to catch not just what he said, but where he said it. There are certain things that God wants to say and he'll only say it in his house. I feel like preaching, man, this is good stuff. Says he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he begins saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 Man, I wish somebody online would just jump through that camera right now and come in here right now because I feel like preaching this to you face to face. He said the scripture was fulfilled in your hearing. Hearing, not in your getting and in your receiving, but he was saying, if you heard it, you got it. Whoa. Jesus has said something to you and I that would be fulfilled if you would just hear it. See, you got to get that. Hearing doesn't just mean that it went in one ear and out the other. Like my mom used to tell me, things go in one ear and out the other. It, it's, I received it. I heard it and it stayed. And he says, it was fulfilled when I said it, not when I did it. So I want you to catch this. Jesus could have talked about any other subject, y'all. And he chose to talk about favor and he could have talked about it anywhere and he chose to talk about favor in his house. So I wonder 
If the enemy's trying to disconnect you and I from God's house so he can disconnect us from the place God's getting ready to announce, favor, and it would be fulfilled in your hearing, but because you're not here, you didn't hear it. Whoa! This is amazing! This is in my top three sermons already. I hope I land the plane well. Did you hear what I just said? I said that what if the enemy's trying to keep you from being here so you don't hear that it's the year of the Lord's favor because it is fulfilled in your hearing? What if you have something better to do than be online? What if you have something better to do to be on church and the enemy puts a nice little brunch on the day? Nothing wrong with brunch, but what if the enemy, what if it's the enemy's brunch? They serve hot food only, get it? <laughs> Ain't nobody in here to laugh, so I just gotta, hopefully you're laughing in the chat. But what if he plans a brunch and you just think it's a brunch? Oh, I'll skip church. I'll skip this. And, it, and that's okay. We all have stuff to do. Be with your family. But you better go back and get that word. Because what if the enemy makes you skip a Sunday where the Spirit of the Lord said something that would have been fulfilled in your life in your hearing and you weren't here so you couldn't hear it? I'm telling you, this is wild stuff. When I was reading this, I was like, oh my goodness. It's fulfilled in my hearing. What is in my life that's, I'm not having fulfillment because I'm searching instead of listening. Are you searching for something that would bring you fulfillment? No, fulfillment doesn't come in what you're looking for. It comes from what you've heard from your king and your savior, Jesus Christ. And not only that, he says, I got so much favor for you, God had to anoint me to say it. You think God's not going to anoint you to do it? You think that dream that you have in your heart, that thing that you feel like God has called you to do? Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord anointed me to tell you. And you think he's not going to do it? We allow the enemy to rob us of our faith? The Bible says that Jesus said the Spirit of God had to put anointing oil on me to even tell you what I have for you. I couldn't even say it until I was anointed. He didn't say a word in a sermon, y'all. He didn't say a word in a sermon until he was 30 years old. And he said, what I got to say to you is so important that the spirit of the Lord had to anoint me to tell you. And if he had to anoint me to tell you, you know what I'm about to tell you is serious. And what I have to tell you is that I'm putting favor on a year. Now, there would have been no evidence prior to that that any favor was around the corner. These people were under Roman control. They were waiting for God to show up and do something, not show up and say something. And this is the number one issue that I have as a Christian. And I think I share this with some people watching online that I'm always waiting for God to show up and do something instead of show up and say something. You got to write this down. You got to write this down. The year of the Lord's favor 
begins with the anointing of God's messengers. The year of the Lord's favor begins with the anointing of God's messengers. What do I mean by that? I'm one of those people that God has sent in your life to tell you these things. So if this is so important that God is anointing me to say it, that means that he's definitely going to do it. And then for you, favor is activated by a message, not a moment or a blessing, a message. What is the message that God has put inside of you? Is it you can overcome? Is it even though your dad wasn't in your life, you can still be the man God has called you to be? God will always put a message inside every single person that he wants you to share with the world. And that doesn't mean that you grab a mic and preach, but your life should preach to the people around you. Every single Christian is a walking, talking sermon. Every single one. You may never have a mic, but you got a life. Ooh, I'm flowing today, man. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm on a, 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 a high, a spiritual high, not a regular one, a spiritual high from yesterday. But this is good stuff. I feel like God told me to tell you that, hey, if I had to anoint Jesus to tell you that, God is not just having small talk. He's not just having the elevator talk. You know, you get in the elevator with somebody. I, I'm one of my biggest, I don't know what it is. I don't like getting in the elevator with people I don't know. They always small talk me. How about those Dodgers? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, just push seven for me. But we act like God just met us in an elevator and just has some stuff to say, yeah, I got a purpose. I got a plan for you. No, no, no. Jesus said, I had to get anointed to say this, what I'm about to say. I had to get anointed. Do you understand? If you sit in an Oasis church, and I say this in no way to brag and be prideful, but do you understand the debauchery and the foolishness that your pastor was caught up into? Do you understand the parties I went to, the things I've seen, and the stupid stuff that I've done? And we love to act like I'm just this great leader and great pastor. I am the lowest form of degenerate. I'm a degenerate. I'm nothing. And God yanked me out of my old life and anointed me to give you a message. Do you know how much God cares about you? To disrupt my entire life and anoint me just to tell you what God's going to do? You think he's not going to do it? And he went out of his way to anoint a messenger and you think he's not going to do it? This is not a game. This is not a joke. This is not just church on Sunday. This is a man that God yanked out of sin, yanked out of the mud and brought him to his church and anointed me to tell you that this is the year of the Lord's favor. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Because we often use that word favor. That means it came easy. You notice that like when we have to like really work hard to do something. Like if I hit a great golf shot, I never go favor because I've been at the dang driving range every single day for three months. That's not favor. I put in the work. So we think that favor doesn't means we don't have to put in the work. So when we yell favor and we want God's favor, it means we are looking for something 
that we don't have to work hard for. But that's not always true. The favor came in the message and God has put a message in each and every one of you. For some of you, you're a single mom and God has put a message in you to other mothers. So some of you are kids. God has put a message in you for the kids in your school that there's grace, that God loves them. God has put a message in you and I want you to write this down. The message has a weight to it. And sometimes God can't give the weight of a message when you're looking for the comfort of a massage. Notice there's only one letter difference in that word. We switch the E from the A. I want a massage. A message comes with pain. Your platform is made with pain. Your message is created with pain. And when we want comfort, it's like we want a massage. Jesus says, I'm not giving out gift certificates to Burke Williams. I'm not. He put Daniel in the fight, in the lion's den. He put Shadrach and Meshach in, in, in the fire. He put Joseph in a pit. He put Joseph in a prison. He put Moses on the backside of a mountain for 40 years. He put Elijah in the, in the wilderness, believing that he would, he would he'd rather die. He put Daniel in the belly of a fish and he put Jesus on a cross. This is not comfort. And because he put Jesus on the cross, the discomfort acted, activated the favor. And I want to tell you something. If you're willing to be uncomfortable, you can walk in the year of the Lord's favor. Because there's favor on a year. Look at this. This has got to be true. Because in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 through 14, it talks about the birth of Jesus. And it says, suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus is a baby and angels show up to announce favor. Jesus is a minister and he shows up to the church to announce favor. Why is it that? This is the first thing that people want to talk about. It's favor. And what is favor? It's the undeserved kindness of God. The grace of God. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. What's the amazing worship song? I couldn't earn it. And give myself away. Where it is? I forgot it. We haven't done it in a while. We got to do that again. But it is undeserved. You can't earn it. Right? So if you are earning God's love or the affirmation of people, see, see, in the year of the Lord's favor, God, the devil, let me tell you this right now. I'm going to look directly into the camera and anybody who's listening, hear me right now. One of the biggest temptations in the year of the Lord's favor is we start trying to earn the love from God or the affirmation from people because favor is free. And so if the devil can get you earning, he can cut you off from the favor. And here's the thing. If this is the year of the Lord's favor, the enemy will distract you until you do nothing but earn the affirmation of people or try to earn the love of God. And he'll make you do that till December 31st. And then you get a revelation on grace on January 1st. And now you start trying to do the thing outside of the time frame that God. God operates in windows. He does. 
And that doesn't mean he can't restore, but there is a time that you got to be ready right now. It's just the way that he works. Like there's seed time and harvest. So when you put your seed in the ground, there's a harvest coming. If you don't go outside and harvest the fruit, God doesn't keep the fruit fresh until you're ready to eat it. You got to get it off the vine. You got to get it out the field. There's a time frame that you have to do something. If God said that, hey, I'm going to give you a job and you've been believing for this promotion and you get the job and the job starts on Monday, you can't go to Cancun for two weeks on Monday and then show up to that job two weeks late and expect what God provided to still be there. There's a time frame on it. And I'm not saying it's this way with everything, but I've learned in my time following Jesus, it's this way with a lot of things. So we got to make sure that we are operating in the time frame that God has called us to operate in. And it's kind of hard to get it because you don't want to be too fast and too slow. And I feel somebody asking the question, well, how do we know when it's God's timing? This is why it's important for community. It's important to know for people to, to be praying for you. It's important for you to know when it's God's timing. When you think you're ready, it's probably a little later than you think, right? And when you think you're not ready, it's probably now. That's just what I've learned. You think you're, not, you think you're ready, you're not. You think you're not ready, you are. Can I just give you like, I don't know what it is about that. Whenever I think I'm ready for something, I'm never ready. Whenever I don't think I'm ready, God says do it. So lean into it a little bit more. If you think you're not ready, get some people around you because that's humility talking, I'm not ready. But when people go, where are you, God, I'm ready, they're usually not. Does that make sense? So let's say you feel like you're ready for your husband or your wife. I'll use that as an example. You're single. You think you're ready for your husband or your wife, and that person hasn't come. Don't be discouraged. Ask some people around you, is there anything you've seen about me that would make you feel like I'm not ready? And I need you to be honest. And if you feel like you're not ready, ask someone else, do you feel like I procrastinate and I don't move forward with the purposes and plans of God on my life because I'm always talking about I'm not ready? And please be honest with me. You see, your community knows you ever like, you know, um, I, this happens to me all the time. And it's a little bit different because I'm a lead pastor. So I think people just assume that I know things that I don't know. Like I always go like, yeah, man, I've been praying. And it infuriates me. I, I tell people on my team, yeah, I've been praying. And God told me, you know, that he's really getting ready to move and like favor and stuff. And they, yeah, man, I had a dream and vision six months ago. God told me that. I'm like, how come you didn't tell me? Like, this is what community's for. Tell me what you feel like God is saying. It helps me live out how God has called me to live. But we can't do it if we want, we want comfort. I want you to um, write this down too, that when your faith is challenged by the information, you must activate your favor by your proclamations. Jesus proclaimed favor. He didn't give something that made people say, favor. He proclaimed it. He proclaimed it. So favor is activated through the proclamation. In the Bible, they would call these people heralds. So a herald would go somewhere. And I feel like God is saying, I'm calling all Christians to be heralds. Not herald, H-A-R-O-L-D. That's a name. Herald, H-E-R-A-L-D. And a king would give a herald typically a folded up piece of paper or something. And that herald 
would jump on a mule in biblical times and drive, uh, and drive, and gallop <laughs> maybe hundreds of miles to get this message to somebody. And so they would, the herald would give that message to someone. And when that person opened it, it would typically even have the king's seal on the message. And when that person opened it, even though they got it from a herald, they might as well have gotten it from a king. Because it wasn't the herald that had the authority. It was the person who gave them the message. And so we want Jesus our king. And I know people hear from God and I want you to hear from God. But sometimes we want Jesus to show up and tell us things personally that our friends have been trying to tell us for years. And so God will put you in a community. Some of you have a friendship group. Some of you have a roommate group and you think they're just your roommates and they're your divine heralds. And you don't listen to them. And you're saying, God, where are you? Talk to me. And he's going, I did. I sent a herald, someone who had a message inside of them, and I anointed them to tell you it's time to give up insecurity and fear. And you said, you don't understand me. God, I need you to speak to me. No, 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 no. It starts with, and this is what I wanted to challenge you with. God is anointing you right now to proclaim things over your life. He's proclaiming. He wants you to speak. Proclaiming means to boldly say what God wants you to say. So many of us say things that the enemy wants us to say about ourselves, about our situation. He wants you to boldly proclaim what God wants you to say. When your faith is challenged by the information, you must activate your favor by your proclamations. And God is saying, I'm anointing you. I'm giving you divine ability to talk to speak favor over your life, over this year. Did you know Christ is not Jesus' last name? <laughs> it's not. I feel like some people don't even know what like, it means. Jesus Christ, it's not Mr. Christ. It's not his last name. If he had an ID, it wouldn't say Jesus Christ. It would just say Jesus probably. I don't know what Joseph and Mary's last name. But Christ literally means the anointed one. That's what it means. The anointed one. It means that he has God's divine ability to do something. Now watch this. This is why it's so important that we walk in the divine ability to proclaim favor over our life. Because Jesus showed up and all he did was talk. And that was it. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians verse 1 uh, chapter 1, verses 21 through 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So how do you know that it's coming? I'm anointed. I'm standing firm when things are getting shaky. I, I don't, I'm not my own. Look at that. Look at that list. If, you're, if, you're, if, you, if you think your body is your own and you can do whatever you want and there's great, no, here's, how you, here's what's guaranteeing what's to come. Look at the list. I'm standing firm. I'm anointed. 
I'm not my own. God owns my body. God owns my mind. God owns my mouth. God owns my money. God owns my family. I'm not my own. And I have his spirit and that guarantees what's to come. Let me explain something to you. This is why it's the year of the Lord's favor. This is how you know. God is calling the Holy Spirit a deposit. Anybody buy a car recently? Grace is on camera. Uh, Brandon, you bought a car. How, how, what's your average deposit on a car? 10%, depending on the price of the car. Usually a deposit is 10%, right? When you buy an apartment, the deposit is right around 10%. They usually want first and last month's rent. You're in a 12 month lease. That's right around 10, 20%. Does anybody ever want half deposit? Sometimes. Anybody ever put a deposit of 90% down? Hardly ever. Deposit means that you don't have the whole thing. Jesus called the Holy Spirit a deposit? So, okay, Grace, I have a plan for your life. Steven, I have a plan for your life. Brandon, I have a plan for your life. Everybody watching online, I have a plan for your life. And um, let me just give you a little something to let you know I'm serious. Uh, the Holy Ghost. I can't. I, I, you guys, I want you to wrap your head around that. What fool, if someone promised you that they were going to give you a million dollars and they gave you 900 grand as a deposit, would call that person and tell them, are you really gonna give me the other 100? I gave you 900 grand as a deposit. That lets you know I'm serious. Are you gonna come back and give me the other 100? And we don't realize we have so much already, the 100 doesn't even matter. You didn't come back with 100, I'm good. You just gave me 900 grand. And I feel like the Holy, Jesus is saying, it's the year of the Lord's favor. And here's how I'm gonna tell you. I know you're believing for an audition or a new place to live or a family, but the deposit on the promise was the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I'm gonna give it to you so you know I'm gonna give the rest to you. And we go, are you really coming back? This message is good. I'm sorry, it's just this. You have the biggest deposit anyone could ever give another person. If I give someone 10%, I might come back, I might not. How many reservations get canceled? All the time. We don't have reservations. We don't cancel reservations if they asked, made us pay the bill before we got there. We don't cancel that. He said, I'm giving the Holy Spirit. And here's this, man. When Jesus was talking in Luke chapter four, and this is the part that I am gonna read it. When Jesus, and we're gonna close with this. When Jesus was talking in Luke chapter four, they knew what he was saying. Nearly every Jewish person from Israel in that time would have memorized a lot, if not all, of the Old Testament. So they knew he was quoting Isaiah 61. 
Because Isaiah 61 says the exact same words. Listen to this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. What is favor? Favor is good news. He was anointed for good news. Some of the media, some of your friends, it's like they're anointed for bad news. All they want to do is tell you something negative. He was anointed for good news. So what is favor? Favor is good news. Who does the good news come to? The poor. Not just poor financially, poor spiritually. What else is good news? That your brokenheartedness would be healed. What else is, is favor? That, that he tells you there is freedom for the captives. If you've been bound by fear, bound by insecurity, God says there's freedom. That's favor. What else? Freedom, release from darkness for the prisoners. What's keeping them in prison? The light. They can't see what God wants them to do. Then he says, um, also favor is this, and, and this is wildly profound. He starts freeing them up, doing things for them. But then a couple verses later in verse 3, he goes, I'm going to give you the oil of joy instead of mourning. I'm going to give you the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I'm going to put you on display. I'm not going to heal you because what you're, what you're doing is hurting me. I'm God. I'm good. I'm going to heal you and I'm going to put you on display so everyone would see what I'm able to do if they follow me too. And then it's not done. So favor is this. Think about this. Favor is good news to the poor, binding up the brokenhearted, freedom to the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners. It's the year of the Lord's favor. Favor is the oil of joy instead of mourning. So when you start to have joy in the middle of the toughest circumstances, that's how you know it's the year's favor because I'm one of the only people I know that could have joy with what I'm going through right now and I still have joy. This is my year because I still have my joy. Not because I still have the money. I still got joy. That's the evidence that I'm in the right year. Because what typically would make me sad, now I have joy. A garment of praise. A garment of praise. Meaning that if you're ready for your purpose, you're dressed in praise. Man! It's in my top three. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They'll be called oaks of righteousness. Deep-rooted character. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, but he's not done. All that is favor. Favor is defined by Isaiah 61, but he keeps going. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. Wait a minute. Now favor means you're, you're building something? Not given something. You're building something. What are you building? The ancient ruins. Wait a minute. It's the year of the Lord's favor when God uses me to build something in my generation that's been dead for years. Ancient ruins. This isn't your little dream got knocked down last year. This is something that the enemy knocked down in your great, 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 great grandpa's life. You're going to rebuild it. Jesus. Everybody in your family got divorced. Not you. You're going to rebuild it. Nobody in your family managed their finances well, but not you. You're going to rebuild it. 
Nobody in your family was able to graduate from college, but not you, you're going to rebuild it. Nobody in your family ever walked with the calling of God, but not you, you're going to rebuild it. These ruins are so ancient, it would make people just step over the ruins and God saying, no, you're going to rebuild it. That's favor. You can rebuild what's been dead for centuries. That's favor. And restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Favor is not for a moment. It's generational favor. So if you don't have a dream that impacts generations, you don't have a dream. That's a, he says, that have devastated people from generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And then you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Now people say, now that's favor. I'm like, Lord, give me number six, verse number six. We always think you will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you you will boast. But before that, you got to have a garment of praise. Before that, you got to have the oil of joy. Before that, you got to rebuild the ruins. That's why we invite you to builders meeting. Don't you can't skip to number six. He says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Oh, how do I know that I'm in the year of the Lord's favor? Because there's been some shame the year before. And God's saying, I'm going to take your shame and give you a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. You don't have to move. Favor's not over there. Favor's in the ancient ruins you rebuild. Wow. In your land. In the place I've called you. I got to pray for somebody right now because I really feel that the Lord is just releasing favor in your life. But you got to start using different words. You got to proclaim it. And this is not some trick where we can go, hey, I'm proclaiming favor. Because don't forget, it says you need to be an oak of righteousness. This is not for someone to proclaim that doesn't want anything to do with God's character, but they want his favor. No, no, no. Before all the good stuff came, God says your roots and your character have to go deep. It has to be joy instead of mourning. You have to have on a garment of praise. If you had on a garment of praise, you are dressed, clothed in praises to your God. So you've been complaining and not praising. Don't skip down to the good stuff. This is what sometimes in church we can do. We skip down to the good stuff, but No, those first couple of verses, I'm praying for someone who's been struggling to obey God. I'm praying for you to become an oak of righteousness. For someone who's dealing with a spirit of despair, there's an oil of joy, an anointing oil of joy on your life. He's just going to be happy, smiling more than um, you ever have before. And God's going to bring a double portion to your life instead of shame. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to just give you one um, final thought that I've shared before, but it's important. 
The Bible says when Jesus was talking in Luke chapter three, um, excuse me, Luke chapter, yeah, it was three, um, four, excuse me, that after he said it was the year of the Lord's favor, that he folded up the scroll and that the people in the temple were looking at him intently. And some Bible scholars think they were waiting for him to finish his sentence because in Isaiah 61, it says the year of the Lord's favor and the day of his vengeance. So in order to operate in the year of the Lord's favor, Jesus never finished the sentence of the day of his vengeance. He sat down after the year of the Lord's favor. And what I felt the Lord showed me was last year in 2020, it wasn't just the year of a pandemic, it was the year of intense anger. A lot of things happened last year that would make you angry. And if you want Jesus to finish his sentence, the day of his vengeance towards his enemies, then you're gonna miss out on the favor. Because this is not a year where Jesus finally does something about all the people who've made you angry. This is the year of his favor. And I feel like some of us are just waiting for him to finish his sentence, waiting for him to get rid of all the challenges in our nation. Um, yes, we have a long way to go as a nation, but it is the year of the Lord's favor. Activated Christians are always the solution to change. And so there's no one else coming. It's us, it's you and I. And I really believe when we start proclaiming favor over this nation, favor over our families, we start using our words to bring peace, and we start using our faith to bring action, God's gonna do something special and I can't wait to see it. And so maybe right where you are, if you just wanna stand to your feet, we're gonna close in a moment of worship, but I believe God is going to activate favor in your life as you trust him. Can't wait to see you soon.